Gut. Hello and welcome to the Football Fives. My name's Dave Hartrick and we are talking Champions League now. We're at the business end of this season's competition. Joining me, I have two friends. Dan can't be with us this week because he's got far more important Swansea v Southampton-based things to do. Uh, But to my virtual left is Ryan Keeney, who is no longer Optus Ryan Keeney or won't be by the time this podcast goes out. Yeah. I mean that is if there was ever a reason to you know get rid of me from the podcast that is certainly it so I'm going to enjoy my final four or five uh, appearances before you change to somebody else for season four. Oh well, uh, four mm. or five. <laughs> <laughs> Excitingly, low Ryan. Excitingly, and we can tell people because you have announced it on Twitter. You are now the BBC's Ryan Keeney, aren't you? Uh, I mean, I will be. There, there still is time for them to. Um, Revoke their offer, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I it's incredible, incredible that they offered you the gig hosting the one show. I think you'll be fine. Thanks, absolutely Cheers. fine, mate. Yeah. Do you know anything about knitting? Because that seems to come up every time I there's watch. There's like a, there's a rhyme uh, with knitting, isn't there? Something about around the I don't, around the tree, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Starting to veer into vaguely sexist territory for me. Uh, to my virtual right. Christopher Nee, how are you? Hello, I'm all right, thank you very much. Are you the BBC or Optus Christopher Nee, or are you still just the Internet's Christopher Nee? Well, out of those three options, I'm the Internet's one. Of course you bloody are. They wouldn't have right, the option of the BBC, no better. <laughs> Champions League then. Um, and we've got a little bit of ground to cover. We're gonna have, we will be sort of touching on this season's competition, but we're going to ask some broader questions about the Champions League as well. Um, and the first one, I I have a very definitive answer on, so I'll go last and give you two time to expand on it. Could and should the Champions League final ever be played outside of Europe? Christopher Nee. I think it's inevitable that it will, and I think it will happen soon. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to have a final played in the US or in the Middle East or in the Far East before 2025, something like that. Um, I think it's really important that UEFA wouldn't be taking a home game away from anybody. And that is really all the justification that a body like FIFA, uh, like UEFA, oops, um, <laughs> like UEFA needs to do something so utterly despicable. Um, they, they would never get away with moving somebody's semi-final leg out of Europe and away from their home ground. But nobody really owns the final, do they? The only people that own the final are UEFA. So mm. I, I think we are generally, you know, as a as a species, never mind as a sport, moving in that kind of direction. Um, and I think 
the world is about to become a very small place when it comes to big showpiece football finals. Um, it's it's the Super Bowl, isn't it? It's football Super Bowl in pretty much every regard, and and only the World Cup final comes close. And obviously, that's that's much less frequent. Um, so I I can't see UEFA resisting that opportunity forever, because really it's kind of sitting there, and who's going to really kick off about it? Because it's not taking anything away from anybody. It's just they won't name a European host one year, and that'll be that. Um, mm. As for should it, absolutely not. I think uh, hosting it at neutral venues is a gravy train operation anyway. Fine with it. It works from a sporting perspective, but it it, um, makes you for all of the money at the same time. Um, But at least it's accessible for supporters, even if it's, you know, sometimes pretty difficult. And no supporters of the two clubs are, with no exception, the most important people in this. The Champions League is not, it's not a bastion of footballing integrity. And yet the, the day that Liverpool supporters or Real Madrid supporters have to travel to Tokyo for a competitive final will be a sad one. But I think it's coming. Mm. Mm. And Ryan. they won't get any tickets either. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think it is. I, I don't think it ever could. I... I certainly don't think in my lifetime. Um, I mean, by then, we'll all, you know, there'll be a world war, so football won't exist after I'm gone anyway. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I, I I think there is a level um, that UEFA uh, could go to with these things and, and how, and the things that they're, they're looking at to, um, to make money and, and to exploit the finals. And, and I don't think this comes into it. I, uh, I mean, the, uh, admittedly, the fact that, uh, especially around the Europa League final, that the, the two clubs in it aren't getting a massive amount of the sixty thousand tickets that are available. I think they're getting nine thousand each, and and similarly the Champions League final, the, the majority goes to the clubs, admittedly, but only just. Um, and uh, there's the corporates and the corporate sponsors, everything. I think with this, this is what the Super Cup is for. Uh, I think you get it in. In early, uh, a, a pre-season friendly, get two teams wherever you want them to go and, and even start looking to expand it like that thing, the International Champions Cup, um, that kind of a thing. Get get the, the teams on tour, get the biggest clubs around Europe playing against each other in, in some friendlies um, and, and do it that way. If that's how you're, you're going to you know make money, make it part of the contract that the Europa League and Champions League winners have to, to pitch up in uh, Tokyo or pitch up in the Middle East or in America and play this, this one-off game. I, yeah, I think UEFA are better than that. That There's there's too many things to keep, especially the fans, especially, especially it would be, this would be the sort of thing that the, all right, yes, sorry, the fans would, would kick off, obviously, for, for the travel and, and, I mean, you've got what, like two, two weeks, three weeks to to sort out your travel if you qualify for the final. Uh, it would also be the kind of thing that the cl- the big clubs would leverage against UEFA, that the breakaway would would move so much quicker if they dared to award a, a final two years in advance um, to a, a a city or a location outside of Europe. They would they would very much uh, use that as the uh, the trigger to uh, go off and have their own little super league, which. You know, would probably end UEFA as it is. So yeah, not going to happen. 
Um, I I sort of broadly sit with Chris here. I think that there is a chance that it could very well happen, actually. Um, I think it would only happen in certain territories. I think Chris has named them. I think they would, they would love a showpiece final in the Middle East at some point. I think they would love one possibly in, in like Chris says, Tokyo, that sort of region. Uh, and I think they'd like one in America. I think the the idea of playing a Champions League final in front of an American audience is incredibly enticing to them. And football, the, the one, I think the one event, as Chris called it, that football's various governing bodies sort of looks quite jealously towards is the Super Bowl. Um, and I think the sort of desire to create something similar could well be uh, could well be overwhelming at some point. But in terms of should, no, absolutely not, absolutely not. I <laughs> I think it's it's basically it's just a cash grab and a land grab. That's that's all it is. There's no other way you can dress it up. Um, but yeah, I the more I thought about this question a little bit over the course of the day, and if you look at the way various professional leagues in various sports are going around the world, um, so I'm thinking of you know NFL games at Wembley this week. We've had announced the is it two or three game baseball series is going to be held in London. Mm, two, uh, I can't. Two, I think. Two. Um, and there's there's things that are happening like this around the world, and I think as as I, it's not that I disagree with what you're saying, Ryan. I think you're I think you are right. There would be a lot of resistance to it, but the thing about football's resistance to anything is the more pictures of the Queen's head you tend to throw at people, the less inclined they are to actually resist when push comes to shove. Morally, it would be horrible. The thought of you know, I don't know, Liverpool fans or Man United fans or Chelsea fans setting off to a Champions League final in Florida is just repugnant to me, but I can see it happening. I can see it happening. I don't think, and I don't think the time scale is particularly short. I think it'll be another five to ten years, but as, we're, as we'll get on to, I think the Champions League is coming to a point where it needs a bit of a bump again. And it wouldn't surprise me if something like this was the the way to do that. But uh, but yeah. Anyway, question one covered. Question two, I think, is a little bit more in depth. So we'll move straight on. Are the Champions League group stages exciting or just processional at this point? Um, thoughts and feelings about this. But I'm going to let you go first, Ryan. Uh. I think this season has been a good one for the Champions League. Um, I think kind of first and, and foremost. Uh, that That isn't necessarily to say that the group stages aren't particularly uh, processional. But uh, I think we're getting to a point where teams are, are, are starting to have a go and, and starting to realise they can kind of upset the apple cart. I like... I like the Champions route. I like the the um, to the the winners of the top seven leagues in in UEFA by coefficients plus the the previous winners go into pot one and, and then you have a bit of a spread and and that has seen some of the teams in pot three obviously qualify for the knockout stages and and a few of the 
pot one teams get some bloody noses and get eliminated from the competition, never mind fall into the Europa League. So, um, like this season, uh, Liverpool and Roma were both in pot three and at the, the lower end of pot three. Um, like there were only two teams below both of them, or they, they could have been in pot four. Uh, Spurs, Besiktas and, and Basel were the other pot three teams to make the last 16. Um, Borussia Dortmund, Atletico Madrid and, and Spartak Moscow were teams in pot one and two that, that reached the Europa League. And um, So I, I, there is an element of it that is processional and I, I think you get that when you, there are such big super clubs that Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona, Paris Saint-Germain, unless they draw each other, uh, and even if they draw each other, they're getting through to the last 16. And then it, there's, there's the clubs every side of that that are still sorting themselves out and fixing themselves. Juve are, are kind of close because they, they tend to dominate the league, Italian league. That There are clubs that you just would expect them to have a relatively seamless path through to the last 16. And I think that that's part of it, that they are overwhelming favourites. But Roma uh, knocking Atletico Madrid out and, and Chelsea knocking Atletico Madrid out was good and was, was quite exciting. Uh, even if necessarily the games didn't serve up the best football. Um, Napoli struggling against Shakhtar and, and Man City in their group was, was relatively exciting. Some of the games are rubbish and you can switch them over, but the way that they're now presented, I think there are elements of excitement in there. Chris? I think there are a couple of things at play. It, the predictability of a good percentage of the 16 teams in the last 16 is a, a, a result of the outcome of the group stage. But I think the group stage itself is... Um, I think I think processional is too forceful. Um, but I don't know that it's exciting as a whole. Just by the nature of the group stage, you, you can find that the first four match days are more exciting than the last two because obviously there are a few too many uh, dead rubbers. There's no easy way to solve that. That's just the way a group stage works. And we're not moving away from, from a group stage any at any point soon. Um, I had a quick look just back through uh, some of the, the, the group stage outcomes this year. Mm. And there were little bits and bobs of surprises, but, but arguably nothing massive. I think... Benfica not getting a point is sort of surprising. Uh, Roma winning their group and Atletico Madrid having to go into the Europa League was a bit of a surprise. Um, Barcelona, Juventus, Liverpool, Sevilla through was entirely predictable. Um, Ryan touched on the, the Man City group where Shakhtar qualified in second place, which I think was a bit of a surprise, particularly given Napoli's form at the time. Um, and the other one was, was I mean, Spurs and Real Madrid ahead of Dortmund, a shock? I'm not sure it is really. So it's it's a bit of a mixed bag, really. There are little surprises here and there and a lot of really decent games in that little lot as well. It wasn't an especially dull group stage by comparison with itself over previous years. And I think the problem we have is that the, the number of games that have little or nothing on them arriving at the end of a round that feels like it goes on forever along with the fact that it has a tendency to kind of spew out few enough surprises that by the time we get to the quarterfinals all of the shot qualifiers have gone mm. anyway 
So the, the Champions League as a whole ends up having this air of familiarity, unless, as we've had this season, someone really busts it open. Mm. I don't know what you can do about it, essentially. I, I, I do find it it peters out really, really badly. I, but I don't know how we begin to solve that. I'm I'm going to leap in here, and I, I I mean I do think it's processional. I think the group stages have got to the point where, besides the odd game which you've sort of got to drop lucky on really watching, or you've got to sort of make a make a a, a reasonably sort of informed decision to think. Well, I like watching them. It's I mean if you go back to last last season, Group A, Arsenal and Paris Saint Germain. Walk through the group. Uh, Ludogorets are in third with three points compared to PSG with 12 in second. Group B, Napoli and Benfica got through. Uh, Benfica got through ahead of Besiktas by a point, but that's about right, really, I would assume. Uh, Barcelona, Manchester City, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Celtic were supposedly set up at one point as a little bit of a group of death. It was anything but... Uh, Atletico and Bayern absolutely cruise through Group D. Monaco and Bayer. Was Tottenham not getting through that group last year a massive surprise? Well, you look at the team that Monaco were and you think possibly not. Bayer were a very good side at the time as well, so Spurs were a bit inexperienced. Then Group F, you've got Dortmund and Real Madrid, who not only get through that group but between them score 37 goals in six games and then you've got Leicester and Porto Porto was about right Leicester was a bit of a surprise package but Copenhagen and Bruges were crap to be honest and Juventus and Sevilla getting out of group H and last season was the first time where by about by in all honesty by sort of match day three I my interest in the group stage had completely gone because it was the only real point of interest for me was just Leicester just because I hadn't seen them in the Champions League before then you come into this year and they get drawn and I would argue I know what you I know what you're saying about Roma but Roma were a very very good side last year I don't think it's a massive I don't think they've come from nowhere if you know what I mean I don't think it's it's like this big bolt from the blue and if you no, I I don't I don't think they're any more surprising than than Liverpool are. But that, no. that group, I don't think I'd have picked them. But if you well, you see, I'm looking at the group stages from this year, and you look at Dortmund were in rotten form for lots of reasons in the early part of the seasons, reasons they have sort of corrected at this point, but have ruined their season basically. So they Tottenham and Real Madrid getting through that group both at an absolute canter in the end. Uh, you know, was... was I enjoyed the Tottenham Hotspur-Real Madrid games. You know, I'm I'm not going to pretend I didn't, but yeah, so-so. Besiktas and Porto getting through their group. RB not qualifying, I would say RB are probably the equal of Porto, Chris, would you say? Yeah, I would say so. So, you know, you could argue that Slight surprise there, but I would have said either or, really. And then City and Shakhtar, Napoli not getting through was a bit of a shock, but at the same point, Napoli sort of had... Napoli were quite honest about their priorities at the time, weren't they, going into some of those games? Yeah, that's So, you know, Liverpool and Sevilla walking through their group, uh, Barcelona and Juventus cruising through... 
Atletico again, I I would you know I wouldn't argue against somebody saying that's a bit of a surprise on paper them not getting through, but they were at a very bad point of their season, and again I you know I don't think I don't think there's much between Atletico at their best, Roma at their best, and Chelsea at the best. I really don't, you know. So, and then of course PSG and Bayern and Man United and Basel absolutely cruising through, and it it just feels at this point to me. I don't think it's I don't think it's bloated. I don't think it's a problem of length necessarily, but I do think that the the competition is just getting split so far and wide. And part of the problem is that the sort of perennial underdogs that we see coming in there, like you know a Ludigrets or a Carabag or these names that keep popping up, Apoel, etc. They're getting into the Champions League, and the money they're getting from getting zero points in a group stage is keeping them so far ahead of everybody in their domestic league that there's there's no further competition there so it's it's a i wouldn't want it i you know i'm not i'm not sort of amf i'm not sitting here saying i would like it to go back to an old school everybody in a hat tournament or anything like that i can completely understand why we do it this way but i think uh, Ryan, could they adjust the seeding, do you think, to make it... Say you, you have eight groups, so you have eight top seeds, so each top seed goes into one group, mm-hmm. and then from there it's completely open. What about that? Fine. I, I, just to generate, just to spice it up a bit. I think, the thing, through the group stages, there is one... Every, on every day, there will be one kind of game where you go, well, that could be tasty, and with the way that the TV package is set up in the UK, if the game isn't particularly interesting, you can press a button and either watch the other game that is exciting or sit on a channel that will serve you all the goals as they go in. So from a viewing spectacle, it's not too bad. If you're not particularly interested in the game, you can have on the goals in the background. Uh, I, I do get your point. I think it, it relatively is professional, but professional. But then I, I think there is an element that you kind of want the better teams to get to the quarterfinals and the semifinals so they can face off. Yes, you want like Roman and Liverpool and and those likes to get there because they are a good size. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be averse to messing around with that that draw selection in the seeds. I, I like the the change they made about giving the champions that that pot one, and and that does throw up um, some some funny things and and gave us the um, British Dortmund Spurs Juve group that we no Real Madrid, Juve Real Madrid somebody. Um, now I'm confusing myself. Uh, gave us. A relatively interesting group last this year was supposed to give us, as you said, that City, Gladbach, Celtic, and uh, one other Bayern maybe um, last season, but which didn't uh, happen. And, and as we all know, football isn't played on paper, so you know we can we can mess around with things and everything. But if if some of the games aren't particularly interesting, if you've got one side that uh, if you've got one side that prioritises league campaign over Champions League and, and vice versa. Leicester last season were awful in the Premier League around this time in around the time of their group stage, mm. but because they really went for it in the Champions League and, and really wanted to prove themselves, that you know, it's two elements that some teams will just have a crack at it. How about removing I, geography from the seedings? Oh, you so. see, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against that either, Chris. I I wouldn't want both changes, so you know, I wouldn't necessarily want. <laughs> you know it completely jumbled up but I think one or the other 
could just spice it up a bit. Could just the 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 idea of getting even if we got two really interesting knife edge groups is really appealing to me. Similarly, a couple of groups where it's it's you know at least one of the sort of lesser footballing nations has got a good chance of progressing. Because at the moment, I, it just feels like Ludogrets are just purely making up the numbers. They're just there to be cannon fodder for, you know, a real Madrid to stick six by. Yeah, and it, it's that in in your premier football tournament, in in your tournament that you're selling as the greatest competition in the world, that doesn't seem right to me but i think we'll we'll move on because we're starting to cross into sort of question three anyway I quite, sorry which is will the pro- oh, i just wanted to add i quite like chris's idea of removing the geography especially now like there should be a, all right you can have two spanish sides two german sides in a group or something but there's no half the group stages spain germany england italy with that change so yeah they, they're all guaranteed to get in the group stages let's uh let's add a little bit a new element to it hmm that's all I'm asking. Like I say, I'm not. I'm not saying let's go back to some, you know, completely unseeded. All the names in a hat draw, but I, I just think it needs an element changing just to put a bit of excitement back. But um, question three: Will the progress of Roma and Liverpool freshen up the Champions League latter stages, or is it a one-off season before we go back to the same old fixtures next year? And I think I'll, I'll go to Chris first on this one. Uh, well, I think. Over the years, the Champions League's got into a, a position where we were seeing the same latter stage fixtures coming around again and again and again. And there's, you know, the, the old jokes about Arsenal going out in exactly the same fashion every season are yeah. well founded. Mm. Um, because, you know, as much as the uh, the early stages of the, the Champions League is, you know, kind of a bit of a weird little tension between trying to be the the continent's elite football competition and also being an episode of going for gold. Um, the the best teams tend to make it as far as at least the quarterfinals. You're starting to look at very few weak um, or surprising teams. So, as as well as Roma did and and Liverpool are doing as many extraordinary highlights as they've created this season. They are just two teams doing their thing at the moment. Um, and I, I don't think their achievements necessarily open the competition up in any meaningful way beyond this season. Um, if anything, what's removed the predictable old fixtures um, are things like the absence of Arsenal. Because, you know, that was almost the beacon for same old fixtures every year. Um, just like the absence of, of Arsenal will continue to be and, and the absence of Chelsea would be as well. You know, you're taking away um Chelsea Chelsea versus Barcelona and Arsenal versus Bayern Munich. But we'll still get Bayern playing Real Madrid. So I think it it's not so much what Liverpool and Roma have achieved this year. It's more um, a case of failures in domestic leagues that don't allow Chelsea and don't allow Arsenal to have a crack at getting to the quarterfinals again, where they can meet Barcelona and Bayern, uh, Bayern Munich. So, I think where it's more interesting is is to have a look at what it is about Roma and what it is about Liverpool that have allowed them to get as far as they have, rather than the overall effect on the competition of that. 
Mm. I think there's there's something in the character of Roma and there's something in the style of play and the character of Liverpool that offers a bit of hope, I think. Um, maybe it'll show some of the coaches outside of the usual suspects a way to make progress into the spring in the Champions League that they wouldn't have identified before. We know that even the giants of the Champions League can be vulnerable now, whether they're three goals up or three goals down or anywhere in between. Mm. And I think that's made the end of this season's competition undeniably exciting in a way that the, the group stage certainly wasn't. So if what they've done, and that is a huge if, if that can show others the way, there are plenty of players at other clubs who can do damage if the strategy that they're employed within is aggressive and it's effective. I think that's exciting. My, yeah, I, my feeling is that what will actually happen is that from December onwards we'll be seeing a lot of familiar pairs of balls. Yeah, I I'll leap in here. I I don't I don't disagree with you, Chris. But and I, and I hate to sound like Jonathan Wilson on this, but I do think that I do think defending is largely crap across Europe at the moment. There is there is not an outstanding. Uh, side defensively, there there really isn't, and like uh, my own dear Brighton, have got through this Premier League and stayed up with forty points. We beat Man United on Friday night. Don't know if you saw that, um, but they've managed to sort of create their platform through through the Premier League by just trying to be a bit solid and trying to defend well. We've achieved that. In the Champions League, I've seen so little of that that it's become quite these sort of mega games with like you know three, four, five goals going in. I've almost come around the other way to start. I've started to feel a bit blasé about them, and I don't necessarily think <laughs> the games are sort of like massively high quality. It's like that Liverpool, uh, the first leg of the Liverpool Roma semi. Roma were absolutely atrocious, you know. There's, there's no, I don't get me wrong. Liverpool were brilliant going forward, but Roma were terrible, absolutely mm. terrible. And it just, it, it's, it's like the Barcelona Roma game where Barcelona came back. Barcelona just, they played so weird and retreated in the wrong way and defensively set themselves up all wrong that I just sit there thinking, well, well, Liverpool I, did I it against Roma as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just. I, so I look at I look at sort of going forward, and I just think, well, it depends how football goes. Because if this is football, you know, the like I've talked before about football being sort of quite cyclical. If this is what we're going to have for the next sort of five to ten years, where it is, teams are basically getting to the point where it is essentially like all out attack because they know defenders are crap. Then I mean we're going to have loads and loads of goals, and you know a lot of people are going to be extremely excited about that. But I'm not sure the quality is like going to be great, and it does feel like this season has been a bit of a revelation, even for somebody like Mourinho. I would not be surprised to see Mourinho change his tactics next year and and go for a lot more teams because they're all they're all just crap at the back. Yeah, <laughs> like, I really, I've always. Really are. For a while now, I've had the sneaking suspicion that um, Jose Mourinho was watching Man City against Crystal Palace this season and uh, had a moment. 
Because yeah. I think I think he will have looked at that game with a, a good deal of regret, given that the title was basically won by that point. Yeah, and I I think he's looking. I think he's not happy with his squad at the moment. He's making his usual power plays, etc. But I actually think when we get into the meat and bones of next season, I think he will go for it. And I think even even if you look at a seem like like Simeone's Atletico have got back to sort of doing what they do best, which is again being very, very attacking and being very, very aggressive, like hyper-aggressive, like super-duper-aggressive. But I do I do think that it's, it's more a reflection of the lack of defensive quality than anything that's sort of fundamental in the Champions League or is going to be long-lasting in the Champions League. But I'm interested to hear what a man from the BBC thinks. Ryan? I mean, my opinions are very much my own and do not reflect those of my future employers. <laughs> um, because you don't know their opinion. Because they haven't told me what my opinion should be. Um, I I think that the, the thing with this is that football is cyclical, as, as we, we've talked about. And there will be a few coaches out there and a few teams out there watching the way that, that Liverpool and Rome have got through the knockout stages and got through against some pretty decent teams. Um, particularly Roman, and I mean they they were bad in patches, and they've for a, a few of these they've uh, they've played they, a few of the games they were awful, but somehow kind of played well in in thirty minutes, especially in that first leg against Liverpool, um, got themselves back into it and made it interesting. Uh, there will be coaches that will look at that and think, right, I can do that. That's the way to to go at this. I don't have the players to shut up shop for. 180 minutes or 210 minutes, whatever I will need to do to keep these teams out, we'll, we'll do it the other way. And that will happen and, and some coaches will get kind of bought into it and, and we'll see some, some more goals. But there will be a Jose Mourinho type at the other end who will go, no, I'm going to, I'm just going to frustrate these teams. We're going to put together a super defensive sign. I'm going to drill them, drill them, and drill them, and drill them. They will be the, the team that will be aggressive, that will, will make challenges, will get away with things and We'll be comfortable playing with ten men and, and grind it out, and then we'll see that swift switch back. Um, I think Jose Mourinho is a good example when he was is in the Premier League and when he's not in the Premier League, and that gap where he was away from from Chelsea and, and off at, at Inter and Real Madrid, the the number of goals scored between the, the kind of top four top five teams increased, um, and there was more goals per game in the matches between them. And then Mourinho comes back, and, and suddenly you see those the goals dry up because he kills games and he, he makes it about being tight and, and nicking things rather than being crash bang wallop and, and having a crack at it and, and trying to, to go out and beat teams. Um there will be another coach like that. There will be somebody else come along to do it. So will team I think teams will be enthused by by Roman Liverpool and, and it might freshen up the, the later stages for a couple of seasons and, and some of that will go depend on the draw as well if if PSG, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern, Juve are all kept relatively apart through the, the last 16 and the quarters, then they've got a very good chance of, of getting through and we, we might be sitting here in a year's time with three or four of those sides in the, the last four and, and two of those sides in the final. Um, but that some of that will be on the drop. But yeah, I, I, I think some coaches will be um, excited by this and, and see a blueprint that they can certainly copy and, and adapt for the, the players that they have. Yeah, I, I like I say I I feel I feel almost not slightly 
miserable saying it or slightly, you know, because I know it's not, this isn't a view that is some startling original view from myself. Lots and lots of people have been saying it, but it's something I do genuinely feel. And I think it, it I think it may well be reflected at, at the World Cup as well, that I, I don't think at the very highest end, I just don't think the defending's there. I mean, <laughs> if you look at, if you look at the national team who were the blueprint for defending for so long, Italy, they're not even going to be there. <laughs> so, no. Well, funny yeah. you should mention Italy because the moment at which defending died was when they broke up Chiellini and Bonucci. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And I, so, yeah, I think in terms of, of this being a one-off or we will go back to the same old, I think we'd probably get somewhere near the same old, but there'll just be a load more goals, won't there? <laughs> anyway, question four. Bang up to date topical. Who's going to win the Champions League this year and why? Chris. I don't know. (laughs) Ryan. Are any of you genuinely confident that you know the answer to this? Yes, Real Madrid. Yes. Interesting. Oh. There we go. Right, exactly. So in in my mind, it can go either one of those two ways because (laughs) it it will develop into a football match, in which case Real Madrid have the better overall quality more depth, uh, better experience, and arguably more players making uh, capable of making the, the ultimate difference. Or Liverpool come out of the blocks and win it inside 25 minutes. To even be saying that about Liverpool at this stage of the competition is remarkable, but I think it's possible. And mm. of those two possibilities, I, I'm, I'm not sure I can pick between the two. Neither team winning this would surprise me in the slightest. Uh, but I get the sense from the two of you that we're not sitting on the fence here, so I'm going to stick with my long-time prediction of uh, a third win for Madrid, just because I am genuinely 50-50 on this final. And that doesn't mean that Liverpool don't have a fantastic chance, because I think they do. They could absolutely do it. And if they did, it's bigger than 2005. Hmm. Uh, do, do you want me to go, Ryan, or do you want to be wrong first? Uh I mean, we can. I think we can all agree that with Dua Lipa performing in the opening ceremony, football will be the winner. Ultimately, uh, should I know who that is? A pop star. Star. Is that a really famous person? No. See, some okay. somebody's been jenning up on popular culture for their BBC <laughs> job, haven't they? Jesus <laughs> I was hoping that you know we wouldn't mention it until I was at least comfortable in there because you know there's a whole declaration of of interest in other things and other media. And when we get signed up by Five Live to do a, a late night football chat show, then it's going to look really you know obvious where that uh, move has come from. Not an issue. I work from home. I can do late. Oh, okay. Sign me up. Good. You already do fight and talk. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I've been on that twice. Um, I, 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 um, but go on then. Real Madrid. Tell me why Real Madrid. Um, are going to win this. I mean, it's Real Madrid. Uh, this is what they do. They've not played particularly well this season in parts, but the three Peters happening. Hello, Gary Andrews, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> first man to introduce me to that word. Uh, just, I mean, they've they've literally got Cristiano Ronaldo in the team. Uh, Sergio Ramos will score in the 90th minute if they need him to. Uh, and it's just that oh, I just can't. I think Liverpool have been really exciting to watch, and I've really enjoyed their knockout games. But this is what Real Madrid do. They've, they, there is so much experience through that team around Champions League finals. It's, it's ridiculous. This is their third Champions League final in a row. 
Sergio Ramos is going to be sent off after 70 minutes for kicking Jordan Henderson up the arse. He's still going to score in the 90th, though, to win it. So, <laughs> mm. um, Well, I I mean, obviously, I think Liverpool, and the reason is I'm not sure Ronaldo is going to be fit, for one. The second thing is, like, I, I've made no secret over the last couple of years of doing this podcast that I really enjoy watching Real Madrid play. But I think what Chris mentioned could very well happen. I think they could get overwhelmed in the first half um, and I, I again without labouring a point they are not brilliant at the back by any stretch this Real Madrid team they can be got at they can be got at very much so in wide positions I would have thought that a certain Mr Salah is <laughs> licking his lips at the proposition to be honest and I think that front three is better than the, the back four of Real Madrid so I think they will score more goals than them I I also think there's a touch of destiny about Liverpool this season. I think they aren't they aren't quite as good as some people would have you believe, but I think they are they do feel like they're a team that are sort of shifting football on its axis slightly. You know, we talked in the last question about how tactically things are changing and Liverpool are, are being a big part of that and I I I knowing how hard the Champions League is to win, I just can't see Real Madrid doing it three times in a row. I can't see any team doing it three times in a row. And I I just feel like as I said, there's a little bit of destiny calling with Liverpool. But I think ultimately, Ryan, the correct answer is probably Chris's, isn't it? Mm. Because it is almost impossible to call. I love that as well. I'm really excited about this because it's practically impossible to call it yeah I'm hoping yeah, I won't I, be able to see it but that's by the I, by I was also I was taught that I was talking to somebody today that I don't know if you two feel the same but there's there's a weight of expectation on this to be a game of football that is something incredible and exciting and really attacking as well and I just half of me just wonders if it's going to absolutely stink the place out. <laughs> you know, if it's mm. going to go completely the other way. Could do. Mm. If that happens, Real Madrid win it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Probably. But, yeah. So are we excited for the game yeah, anyway? I, I know I you are, Chris. As, as another weird yeah. prediction, I quite fancy that the referee is going to also referee the World Cup final. Milorad Mazic, um, the Serbian, yeah. is is a good ref. Well, confirmed. We can confirm that he's literally doing a Champions League. Yeah, final, yeah. Right? but yeah. So I, I but so I genuinely, <laughs> I think he will. Um, he will also get the World Cup final this year. Um, question five, and it's sort of a bit of a football fives tradition when we do these topic based pods to end with a completely subjective question about what is your favourite. Favourite ever Champions League or European Cup final? And I'm going to go first on this one. And mine was 2011, Barcelona 3, Manchester United 1. There has been quite a few stinkers. One of my favourites has been taken by Chris. But this final was... I mean, I'm not a massive... I'm not a massive Barcelona acolyte. I'm not a massive Messi acolyte, in truth. But... It, it was pretty much as close to a sort of complete performance as I think I've ever seen in that Barcelona were just so... I mean, particularly the the last hour of that game, they they just... 
they just held the ball in a in a way I'd never seen before. And you know, I've, Alex Ferguson said after the game that it was just an incredible team and that they'd have beaten anybody in the world. And and he wasn't right. And you look back over that Barcelona side that won it: Abadal, Piquet, Mascherano, and Alves at the back. Busquets just sitting in front. Iniesta and Xavi just in front of them. And Pedro, Messi, and Vera up front. Not bad, is it, really? It's not bad. And the funny thing is, Messi. I know Messi scores a great goal in that game, but he sort of it felt like everybody played their part. It wasn't a one-man Messi show. It just felt like a complete team performance, and it was they'd have beaten anybody in the world, like Fergie said on the day. Uh, Ryan. Uh, if you know, long-term listeners of the show will know we did this question uh, in June last year, but that was favourite Champions League game, um, which didn't define yes. the final because obviously we're not, you know, using the same questions twice or anything. Um, I've been lucky enough to watch. We definitely, check. Uh, yeah, we do. Um, I have been lucky enough to watch uh, Manchester United win the Champions League twice, and I hated both games as they were not fun. Um, I hated that final also. Um, and the uh, the 2009 one. Uh, 2011 more so because I was sat with an idiot who didn't like football but thought he wanted to watch the Champions League final. So I was spending a lot of time comparing the actions of the players to rugby players, which um, infuriated more than you know watching when I'd been playing off the park. Uh, so my favourite is probably 2002. Uh, the Zidane, Zidane goal. Um, that mm. was kind of the... Mm. When you just kind of sat back and uh, knew you were watching a, a really incredible team, um, not necessarily great. Never would describe that Real Madrid team as great, but a collection of incredible players. Um, all, also nice to see a goalkeeper substitution during a final um, with Casillas yeah. coming off the bench. But yeah, just um, that was a design volley. Raúl, Morientes, Figo, Makaleli, Roberto Carlos, Salgado. Uh, Stephen Bannerman on the bench, um, who I I would think is probably underrated in that Real Madrid team. I think we've discussed this before that Stephen Bannerman was was mm. a very good player and, and probably doesn't get the credit he deserved because he played outside of England. Um, but yeah, the the fans the fans loved him because he popped up in all sorts of positions, doing all sorts of jobs mm. for them. He was he's very very well thought of over there. Yeah, very good player. But he he you know, earned that move as well. He was sensational just before he went. Yeah, that Zidane goal, do you know what gets me every time I see it? If you watch it again, the way he's jogging on to the ball and the way it's dropping, if he really wanted to, there's there's no reason for him to take it as high as he no. does, you know, when you watch it again. He could adjust himself and just take it as a sort of relatively straightforward volley, but he chooses to sort of pirouette and take it at that height and... It's a brilliant goal, isn't it? I mean, you've got to put some... Sometimes with great goals, you've got to put some context to them. And a Champions League final to score a volley like that is is sensational stuff, isn't it? And that was there was no mean Leverkusen side. Like, I think they, they put Madrid under a, quite a bit of pressure uh, late mm. in the game. Like, the Berbatov, Balak, Schneider, uh, Sente, the, the Argentinian left-back. Uh, there was, and Neuville um, as a main striker. Like They... They were a good attacking side, a really good side. Like so, we uh, certainly ran by and close either that season or the previous season to get into the Champions League. Um, yeah, good final. Chris, 
Well, I have to mention Aston Villa's 1982 European Cup win because... Of course you bloody do. Well, okay. Favourite ever Champions League or European Cup final. I think it'll be the one that my team won. Uh, but uh, picking it would be a cop-out. I wasn't alive. So I'm going for 1994. Um, final in which AC Milan beat Barcelona 4-0. Simply on the basis that it ticks too many boxes to ignore. I was nine years old. I was obsessed with Italian football. It was Capello versus Cruyff. Um, and arguably both of these teams were in or on the fringe of a truly classic era as well. So we went into it expecting this kind of clash of the Titans. And I, I think that's that's kind of highlighted by the, the team lineups, which were just obscene. To, on, just on the losing side, Barcelona had Zubi Zaretta, uh, Ferrer, Guardiola, Kuman, Nadal, Stoichkov, and Romario, oh, and they got filthy. battered. Um, <sighs> I think the Milan performance is as good a final performance as there's, there's ever been. They had a clean sheet, which counts for something, but isn't a, isn't a surprise. That's Rossi, Cali, Maldini, Panucci, and Dosotti. Two goals for Massaro. Uh, a goal each for Desai and Savicevic and a wonderful performance from Svonimir Boban, um, who, along with Maldini, is one of my favourite players to ever play the game. Um, and it, that is basically the real reason why I've picked this final, <laughs> because Boban. Um, for a kid, though, watching that Milan team in general was an experience, and watching them do this to Croix Barcelona was, was intoxicating. Hmm. I, I think one of the things we've lost with Twitter and the availability of watching football we have now is that it's hard, quite hard to explain how otherworldly it was to watch a team like that put in a performance like that. And I it's a shame. It's a shame because I remember watching that game and being absolutely staggered. And I didn't even I don't even think I saw the full ninety minutes. I think it was just highlights on possibly on sports night, something like that. And it just, like you say, Chris, it was the names, wasn't it? Just, this just unbelievable. Names. Both lineups and then the two coaches as well. And yeah, just, it really felt like, you know, we don't have a team in England that gets close to these two right now. Mm. And we didn't. <laughs> no. We didn't. Right. That's the Champions League sorted then, I think, it's fair to say, for another season. I'll look forward to doing that podcast in two years' time. <laughs> uh, right, excellent. You can find us in all the usual places, which are, Ryan? Uh, on Twitter, at FTBL5spod, uh, by email, show at Football5podcast, or search for football Fives on Facebook. Slick as. Can see why you got that job. Right, we'll see you all next week. See you there. Cheers. Bye. Bye.